the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, we shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Would you pray with me? Avinu Malkinu, our Father, our King, we love you and praise you and honor you and worship you and And Lord, this is such a great day, as each day that you give us life is a great day. They're gifts from you, Lord. Uh, The people we know, the the circumstances, even when they seem difficult, Lord, uh, you turn everything to good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So we, we declare our love to you. We thank you. We are trusting in you, believing that this day, we will be able to uh, function as a tremendous disciple for you, a servant for the living God. So, Lord, I thank you. I pray for this broadcast, that it will touch hearts, and that uh, people will come closer to you. We bless you. We thank you and honor you. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Well, I want to thank everybody, certainly, for supporting the Heart of Messiah radio program uh, by listening also by your gifts. Our radio bills are higher, unfortunately, than our gifts. So if you have been thinking of financially supporting this program, now would be a great time. Just call Karen, 813-831-5673. She'll handle your gifts. Or our radio ministry, will. you can do this online with heartofmessiah.org. Just go there, hit the donate button, and it will direct you. So, today, we'll continue with a look at anti-Semitism, probably not the favorite subject of people, but something that needs to be discussed. This has become, you know, a hot topic in Congress and in our country, and actually in the world. Our scripture nugget for today comes from Esther, uh, the book of Esther, chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, I believe it is. It says, Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, urging them to celebrate the 14th and 15th day of Adar every year, as the days when the Jews got relief from their enemies, 
And as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into celebration, these were to be days of feasting, celebration, and sending presents of food to one another and giving gifts to the poor. Well, I love this. This is the scripture, as I said, found in the book of Esther. It's the last uh, chapter in Esther. We are to celebrate this holiday forever. Uh, I love where celebrating means also giving gifts to the poor. That's certainly a sign of giving thanks. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, First, let's finish up a few thoughts from last week on anti-Semitism, and then let's look at the story of Purim as we continue. So last week we talked about the fact that all the promises in the Bible to the Jewish people have caused uh, some concern to people, right? Especially God's promise of a new covenant and that Yeshua was the fulfillment of that promise and that one day he would destroy, you know who, right? (laughs) Yes, Hasatan, Satan, the devil, the enemy. Uh, He has the most to lose here of anyone, right? And so he's a little concerned. He sees that his end is coming and that his end is tied to God's promise to Israel and to the Jewish people. If he can make our lives miserable and eventually get rid of us, he makes God a liar and he makes God unfaithful. And so in a sense, he wins. Of course, we know this is not going to happen. This, I believe, is, though, the root of anti-Semitism. It is the cause of it, and it is the reason that it continues. So, Hasatan has a purpose and a goal. And when I say Hasatan, you know I'm referring to Satan or the devil. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.13, For such men are false emissaries, deceitful workers masquerading as Messiah's emissaries, and no wonder for even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It is no great thing, therefore, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be according to their deeds. So we see that Hasatan comes in a, as, as the righteous. He is deceitful, and the people who represent him are deceitful. Now, sometimes they don't even know they're deceitful. There's so much deceit going on. So they feel that they are being righteous, and yet they are serving Hasatan. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy. These are his goals, right? Genesis 3.1, but the serpent was shrewder than any animal of the field that Adonai Elohim made. So it said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from all the trees of the garden? And so we see here that Satan, or Hasatan, he is shrewd. He is deceitful. This is how he spreads his darkness. He makes it look good, but it's really bad. He tricks us. And his motivation is caused by his arrogance and his desire at any cost to be God. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15 describes this, how you have fallen from heaven, O bright star, son of the dawn, how you are cut down to the earth, you who made the nations prostrate. You said 
in your heart. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne from the stars of God. I will sit upon the mountain of meeting in the uttermost parts of the north. I will ascend above the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like Elyon, God most high. Yet you will be brought down to Sheol to the lowest parts of the pit. So we get a sense from Isaiah about Hasatan, right? Even in Matthew 4, we read that Yeshua was led by the Ruach into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He has the chutzpah, you know, the nerve uh, to even try and make a deal with God. Obviously, that didn't work well. Usually, Hasatan chooses people who he believes he can manipulate to look uh, righteous, but actually will carry on Hasatan's desire for anti-Semitism. We see another scripture that brings us an understanding of this in Revelations twelve seventeen. It says, so the dragon became enraged at the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring. Um, okay, so we see that this, in the, in the scripture before, it talks about the crown of 12 stars uh, on the woman, and these 12 stars represent Israel, and the dragon is Hasatan, and so Hasatan is enraged with Israel and vows to make war with her offspring too. Hasatan is making war with all Jews and all Messianic Jews, right? Because then it says... In the scripture, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. And so we know who those people are, right? It is possible that this is also referring to Christians as well, because it talks about the testimony of Yeshua. Look, we are at war. Jewish people are hated by the devil because they have given the world, the law, the prophets, and the Messiah. The Jews are Christ-givers, not Christ-killers, so to speak. And, and certainly, uh, Christians have, are, are, are speaking about Yeshua, the Messiah, every day, so they are at war with Hasatan as well. So why um, anti-Semitism? Is a spiritual battle? Well, everything's a spiritual battle, isn't it? In 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God. For the tearing down of strongholds, we are tearing down false arguments and every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Ephesians 6. You know, you're, all, you're familiar with this scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you're able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We must battle this with and so later on in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, it says, Pray in the Ruach, in the Spirit, on every occasion, with all kinds of 
prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert with the perseverance and supplication for all the Kiddushim, all the holy ones, the believers. And pray for me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may speak boldly the way I should. Look, one example we see in Scripture of anti-Semitism and the spiritual battle is in the book of Esther, a classic example of trusting in God, a classic example of anti-Semitism, a classic example of how God gives us the victory. However, God is never mentioned in this entire book of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Yet, in a sense, God is all over the story, which results in Purim, a holiday that celebrates a victory over anti-Semitism. Isn't that the way it should be in our lives? You might not see him, but God is all over your story too. And you should celebrate each day that you have victory over Hasatan. So here's a quick summary, and a very quick summary, of the story of the Book of Esther. The Book of Esther begins with Queen Vashti snubbing King Ahasuerus' request to show her off at his party. Because of her lack of obedience, the king gets rid of her. Now he needs a new queen. Esther's a Jewish orphan who was raised by her cousin Mordecai. After a year of beautification of many of the young women in the area, the king chose Esther to be his queen as she won his favor. Mordecai helps uncover a plot to kill the king, allowing Esther, who is now queen, to warn the king. When Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman, the evil counselor of the king, Haman plots to murder all the Jews in the Persian Empire. In fact, the word Purim um, means lots, and it refers to a lottery that Haman used to choose the date for the massacre. So the king doesn't know that his queen is Jewish and agrees to Haman's plot. When Mordecai tells Esther of the plot, she calls the fast for three days before visiting the king. Because, look, Esther is worried that the king will execute her for visiting him unannounced. That was the, you know, during those times, that's the way it worked. However, the king was pleased and offered to give her whatever she wanted. So she asked the king to join Haman and her for a banquet the next day. That's an easy request, right? (laughs) Then Esther asks for another banquet on the following day. Meanwhile, Haman builds a huge gallow to hang Mordecai. The king, who remembered that Mordecai saved his life, ordered Haman to honor Mordecai and lead him in a parade through the town. You can imagine Haman was not pleased about that. Now, at the second banquet, Esther asked the king to punish Haman for trying to kill her and her people. And the king agrees. Haman and his ten sons died on the same gallows built for Mordecai. 
the Jews of Persia, massacre all of Haman's agents and supporters. Mordecai is made the king's new counselor, and Purim becomes a celebration for all generations. So why are we having this celebration of Purim? We thank the Lord for keeping his promise that Israel would be a nation before him as long as there's a sun, a moon, stars in the sky, Jeremiah 31, verses 34 and 35. Our Purim service celebrates the Lord and all he has done for us in the past, and we are blessed by what he does in the present, and we're excited and hopeful about what he will do in the future. However, the story of Esther keeps repeating in through history, even in the church, unfortunately. There has been anti-Semitism, and, you know, probably there still is. Jewish people have been accused of killing Yeshua based on a misuse of Matthew 27, 25, where it says, his blood be on us and on our children. This has been referred to as the blood curse. And a, a Jewish biblical scholar by the name of Amy Jill Levine said that this passage has caused more Jewish suffering throughout history than any other in the New Testament. So in the early church, some of the church fathers were manipulated by the lies of Hasatan, Satan. For example, St. John Chrysostom, who spoke of uh, usually of truth and love, also said, the synagogue is worse than a brothel. It is the den of scoundrels and the repair of wild beasts, a place of the meeting for the assassins of Christ a den of thieves, the refuge of devils. He also proclaimed his hatred of Jews and told them, God hates you. Well, that wasn't too nice, was it? Yeah. But even, you know, in the 1400s, we know Martin Luther wrote terrible things about the Jews in the latter portion of his life. Here in one example, I I actually feel awful reading this. But this is only one paragraph of many that he wrote. And certainly this is not the worst of what he said. Here it is. I wish and I ask that our rulers who have Jewish subjects exercise a sharp mercy toward these wretched people, as suggested above, to see whether this might not help, though it is doubtful. They must act like a good physician, who, when gangrene has set in, proceeds without mercy to cut, saw, and burn flesh, veins, bone, and marrow. Such a procedure must also be followed in this instance. Burn down their synagogues. Forbid all that I enumerated earlier. Force them to work and deal harshly with them, as Moses did in the wilderness, slaying 3,000 lest the whole people perish. They surely do not know what they are doing. It's funny that he quotes Yeshua there uh, because Yeshua gave grace at that point. But, but here, unfortunately, Martin Luther doesn't. Moreover, I'm continuing with the paragraph. Moreover, as people possessed, they 
do not wish to know it, hear it, or learn it. There it would be wrong to be merciful and confirm them in their conduct. If this does not help, we must drive them out like mad dogs so that we do not become partakers of their abominable blasphemy and all their other vices and thus merit God's wrath and be damned with them. I have done my duty. Now let everyone see to his. I am exonerated. Wow. That is... That is tough. I've, I'm sure it's tough to as tough as it is to read. It's, it's got to be tough to listen to uh, because we know Martin Luther was a great man of God. But towards the end of his life, these are the kinds of things he said. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who many of you know, in his book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, describes anti-Semitism in the early church. He quotes uh, Raoul Hilberg a foremost scholar of the Holocaust, since Abba, Father, the 4th century teach after us Christ, your ways so there that our have hearts would be hearts of flesh Jewish and policies. not of stone. Forced May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah the second so that everyone as who an meets us to the will first, know that and Yeshua is our Messiah to the and King. The missionaries of Christianity had said in effect, you have no right to live among us as Jews. The secular rulers who followed proclaimed, you have no right to live among us as the observance of Purim and planned several Nazi attacks to coincide with Purim in a speech given on January 30th, 1944. He, as is, he said that if the Nazis were defeated, the Jews could celebrate a second triumph, pur, triumphant Purim. You know, Hitler even referred to himself as a second Haman. Well, Look, this is all the time we have today. We're going to finish this up uh, next week. But let me say this. Um, first of all, bring your friends, you know, uh, let them hear uh, of, of what's going on. We're going to talk more about uh, anti-Semitism in, the, in our current culture. But I feel like we have to uh, end on a high note. So let me end by praying Isaiah 62, or reading Isaiah 62, 1 through 7. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness shines out brightly and her salvation is a blazing torch. Nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. You will be called by a new name which Adonai's mouth will bestow. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of Adonai and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will you be termed forsaken, no longer your land termed desolate. Instead, you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For Adonai delights in you and your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over a bride, so 
your God will rejoice over you. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All day and all night, they will never hold their peace. You who remind Adonai, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Amen and amen and amen. Come back next week. Bring your friends. May you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Join me as we close in prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.